We're going to spend a few moments today in the reading of the word. It is the read and rant. We spend a little bit of time reading scripture. We spend a little bit of time reflecting on scripture. And what we do is we posture ourselves to receive and to hear from God today as we read his word. We're going to prayerfully read his scripture through uh, three questions. And these three questions are, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? So let's spend a few moments in the word today as we engage. And we're going to pray the Lord would guide us and lead us and encourage us today as we spend this time in his word. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together. Father, as we spend time in your word, I pray right now, Lord, that you would inspire us today, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us, Lord. Um, teach us the truth of your word today as we read it. Father, let us be um, convicted. Let us be encouraged. Let us be moved. Let us be inspired Father, I pray that you would give us clarity. Let it not be by the facilities of our thought, but Father, let it be by the working of your spirit in us. And so bless us today. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. Fam, let's get right in. We are reading Luke chapter seven. As we've been reading from the book of Matthew, we're gonna read all the way to the book of Revelation. So journey with us in that. All right, I got my Discord family here. I've got my TikTok family. I got my IG fam. We are all here to spend time in the Word. So let's dig right in and let's see what God has to say. Chapter 7, verse 1, it says this. And now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that for one, sorry, that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and I say to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well, who had been sick. Now it happened the day after that, he went into the city of Nain, and many disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. 
And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still and said, And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. For he was dead, sat up. For, so, sorry, so he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went through all Judea and all the surrounding region. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the anointed one, or do we look for another? In that very hour he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in the king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you more than a prophet. This is he whom it is written. Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John, But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, To what men shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned for you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all her children. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears 
she sorry I'll read that back and behold a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who was touching him. She is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Yet there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when he had nothing to which to repay, he forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is given, the same loves little. Hmm. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Chapter 8. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preached and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and 12 were with him. And a certain woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene out of whom had come out seven demons and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward and Susanna and many others who provided him for their substance. And when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and was trampled down, and some of the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had seen these things, he cried, who has ears to hear? Let him hear. Then his disciples asked him saying, what does this parable mean? And he said to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest, it is given in parables, seeing that in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. 
Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their mouth, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. No one who has lit a lamp covers it with a vessel and puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Whoever has to him, more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. <sighs> so much to unpack there. But it is what it is. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And, <clears throat> and it was told by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. He answered and said to them, my mothers and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And the windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, master, master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a certain calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And they stepped out on the land, and there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in the house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What I have, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for it had often seized him and he was kept under guard bound with chains and shackles and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness jesus asked him saying what is your name and he said legion because many demons have entered him and they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently into the steep place, into the lake and drowned. 
When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Then they were afraid. They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. And the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had only a daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood had stopped. Hmm. And Jesus said, who touched me? Then when all had denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the sin from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. When he heard it, he answered him and said, do not be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James and John and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her. And he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat, and her parents were astonished. And he charged them to tell no one what had happened. the word of God. <laughs> I, I've, um, I'm reading through the comments right now. I noticed the other day that it was mentioned that people tried to get close to him because even being close, they would be healed. Yes. Um, but he didn't stop and noticed each one, just her. Makes me wonder why. Ah. One of the things, one of the things that's um, 
that's important to observe here in the text as we read it. Remember, this is a compilation of um, testimonies, oral traditions and testimonies. And this is a compilation written by Luke, the physician, Luke, the scientist. Remember, I was talking about this um, um, last time we were here together in the read and rant as we were reading um, how interesting it is that what we find is, is that the scientist, Luke the scientist is the one that spends a significant proportion of his time to chronicle the supernatural power of Jesus. Like it took the scientist to see and to testify of how the work that he's doing goes beyond science goes beyond what they understood concerning the natural uh, to point out that Jesus, uh, his ministry was one that if you observe and witnessed it, you would witness um, supernatural things that would transpire, things that can't be explained by science, things that can't be explained by um, or, or in natural means or through natural means. Sorry about that. And so, yeah, so we see that with, 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 with Luke. We also see that Luke provides details, and those details are being provided to help us see what he's actually trying to articulate, particularly speaking to Theophilus, who he calls or whose name means friend of God. Some don't some have debated on whether or not Theophilus was an actual person. Others have said that Theophilus is um, a, a representative, a, a paradigm. It's a, a, a person or a, a representative person that represents a particular group of people. And so he's speaking to a character named Theophilus who really um, speaks to who Paul was actually addressing. Um, that is a group of people like Theophilus who those who had, you know, when we say friend of God, at the time, knowledge was God. Um, at the time, it was science that was God. At the time, it was philosophy. That, that was God. And that's why, of course, we see later on when Paul says at, in Aeropagus in, um, in uh, Acts chapter 18, I believe, in Aeropagus, when Paul says um, that you worship an unknown God, right? He says, to the unknown God. And really, it was a celebration of <clears throat> the mystery of knowledge, that that knowledge to them was God, but they didn't know him. It's like not they didn't know knowledge. What does it mean to know something? And and of course they engaged in in rhetorical exercise and and philosophical exercise, logic and reason to come to understanding certain things. But the actual study of knowledge itself was a mystery even to them at that time. So they called it the unknown God. So Theophilus, friend of God, points to um, either a specific person or a group of people who would be those who were the thinkers, the philosophers, the, um, the, um, the orators, the cultural influencers of their time. And so, of course, Luke is writing this as a means to... Uh, to convince, to motivate, to uh, 
help them understand, you know, who Jesus was and what Jesus had done. So imagine now that you're talking to the philosopher and the thinker and the testimony that you're giving them is this, like, this is, I mean, how, how did this testimony of, wow, Jesus is healing people, raising people from the dead. We just, in our reading today, we see two instances where he's speaking of two people who are being raised from the dead. And then he speaks of the demon possessed that um, the demons had come out of and the man who was possessed with legion and and that demon possessed man, legion being mul- a multiplicity of demons. And this man was healed. And and we see all of that. And, and it's just interesting to me that Luke's attempt, Luke's attempt to convince the thinker, Luke's attempt to convince the philosopher, Luke's attempt to convince the educated and erudite is to chronicle this story from a supernatural lens. Interesting to me. Which really speaks into what we talk about when we talk about the matters of faith. Faith is not a logical endeavor. Faith is a profoundly spiritual endeavor. Faith is not natural. Faith is supernatural. Hear me when I say this. Faith is a gift. And if you are a person here who has faith, know that this is a gift that has come from God. Faith is a gift from God. And this is why when we talk about and we plead with others concerning the gospel, we don't come in logically deducing the gospel because if we sit around having logical debates, we can in the end get nowhere because faith is the only thing that brings someone to the awareness of God and to the profound influence and impact, the grace of Jesus Christ in the life of the believer. So faith is the key. And I can say this because I know I've got folks here who um, who come here, and I know you're atheists. I've got Hebrew Israelites up in here. Um, I know I got all of y'all. I got a couple, couple hundred of you throughout my platforms right now, all listening in. I've got atheists. I've got Hebrew Israelites. I've got Buddhists. I've got Muslims. I got all of y'all in here, and I love it. I love that you guys are all here, and I love the fact that we get to engage in this together continually. And there are those right now that are waiting for a convincing argument for Jesus. Like you're waiting for me to give you, okay, finally convince me. Convince me of what is true and what is not. Here's the thing. When you have already stood on something, which is faith, whatever it is that you stand on, which is already faith in and of itself, you will look for things to support what you believe and you will ignore the evidence of things that you do not believe. You will support the things that you believe and you'll ignore the evidence of things you do not believe. 
and you will find things, be it whatever, call it the church, call it whatever that you see, and you will use those. Forget all the other stuff that you see, but you will use the things that you observe that support your narrative, that support your perspective, that support your point of view. This is what we do. We see what we want to see. And we ignore what we want to ignore. And often what I find is, is that for most people who claim to be atheists, sorry, I guess I didn't have my coffee this morning, so this might get a little crazy. But for, but for those who claim to be atheists, I found that there's no greater faith than to be an atheist. One, two, most people who claim to be atheists are actually not. They're just anti-Christian. There are atheists who don't have a problem with the Muslim, especially American atheists. There are atheists who don't have a problem with Buddhists. As a matter of fact, they'll tell you they're atheists and tell you they're Buddhists. They have no problem being spiritual, just atheists. No, you're not. You can't be spiritual and be atheist. You're, what you are is you are anti-Christian. Call it what it is, fam. Call it what it is. It takes crazy faith to be an atheist, crazy faith. And you can say that my faith is based on evidence, but fam, did you not study philosophy to even the evidence, which is based off of observation, cannot be confirmed as true because even observation itself is subjective. Put it like this. If you've seen, have you ever seen something that have this, if you've seen something and it's deceived your eyes and you go, oh, wow, I thought I saw something, but I saw something else. Then what evidence do you have to prove that you can trust what your eyes tell you from here on out? Have you ever heard something and then you go, wait, hold on. Maybe I didn't hear it the way I thought. If the evidence doesn't if 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 for any reason, sorry, your, your ears have played games on you once or your eyes have played game on you once, then how do you know that this time what you see and what you hear is actually what you're seeing and actually what you're hearing? Am I saying I'm not, am I, am I a man of science? I believe in the power of science. I believe in it. But to have faith in science and to put science up against God takes crazy, crazy faith. Crazy faith, y'all, <laughs> to do that. And the thing is, is I found that a lot of atheists are actually not, they're not atheists. They're agnostic, maybe but they're not atheists. What they are is anti-Christian because you had something that happened to you in the church, something that happened to you when, you know, in the church that you grew up in or something that happened to you by a person who said that they're, you know, that they're in the church or that they grew up in the church. And so you now have juxtaposed whatever someone who called themselves Christian. Notice I didn't even call them a Christian, someone who called themselves Christian because not everybody who's in the church is Christian and not everybody who professes faith in Christ is actually one of him. Not, and so that hurt 
that offense, whatever it is that transpired, and some, and I'll say this, some of this stuff is just ugly. But fam, have you ever thought that maybe even the church that you grew up in doesn't even look like the church that Jesus would have even been present in? Have you ever thought that the church that you grew up in would be the church that wouldn't even invite Jesus to come to? Have you ever thought that just because someone puts church on their building doesn't mean that they are the church? And have you ever thought for a moment that maybe you spent most of your life being told about who Jesus was, but actually not discovering Jesus for yourself? I'm sorry, fam, and I know I'm, I'm digging in on this for a minute, but I have to because I have lots of conversations with people who are agnostic and yet they live in this in the weight of shame. There are people who say, you know, I'm, I'm atheist, but you still live in the weight of shame and guilt. And so you look for other forms of spirituality. I mean, the ignorance of that. And I'm not saying the stupidity of that because some of the most brilliant people that I've had conversations with still live in the ignorance of doubt. And I call it the ignorance of doubt. Sorry if I do this for a minute, but fam, I love y'all. That's why I'm going in like this. But the ignorance of doubt is to believe that you don't have it. Sorry, that you don't have faith. The ignorance of doubt is to say, yeah, no, I need the evidence. Show me the evidence. Fam, even the evidence you can't believe in. If there's anything you need to know about philosophy, philosophy eventually tells you that you actually know nothing. That you can actually know nothing. And yet here we are going through life, navigating through the experiences of life. Why am I going here? Why am I sitting here? Why am I settling here? The reason why is because when you have postured yourself, not as atheists, I can work with somebody who says, I don't believe there's a God, but for the person who has juxtaposed the ugliness of whatever had happened into whatever they call church, and have superimposed that, not just juxtaposed it, but superimposed it on their view of faith, where you are now anti something rather than for something. Fam, maybe, just maybe, whatever you grew up on wasn't the church. And maybe whatever you grew up on was a lie. Maybe, Sean, you grew up on the fairy tale. <laughs> and now you're saying it's all alive. Fam, have you re read it for yourself? That's how I always say that. Read this for you. This is why we do the read and rant, y'all. I do this because I want y'all to read this for yourself and see it for yourself. And I pray that God would move in a powerful way for you to see the bigger picture because maybe everything that was taught to you or everything you grew up on isn't it. I know I had that rant about two weeks, two weeks ago. Um, I forgot what it was. I had this, was it two weeks? No, two days ago. Golly, it feels like two weeks. Two days ago, and I said, I said, we got to revisit this whole thing about American Christianity. 
because our positions have been more anti. And I love you, Sean. Man, I love you, brother. Like, you know me. I'm going to have you here every time. You can come here. You can vibe. Because I, I believe that this is what we were called to do is to just step in and to go, okay, look, whatever you were told, let's just journey together in this. Like, let's just walk together in this. That's right, Cash. I believe that 100%. And that's why... I have you here, bro. Love you, Sean. Real talk. <laughs> um, but here's why I bring all this up. Here's why I bring all this up. I bring all this up because when your position is nihilistic, when your position is a nothingness and a void, you can only be anti. You can only be anti. And so regardless of whatever it is that you see as quote unquote evidence, right? Whatever you see as quote unquote evidence is actually what you're using to support what your position is. Love you too, Sean. Real talk. <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> oh man. Love you too. All right. I'm with you, bro. Okay. And what do I mean by that? Notice what the problems that the disciples had, sorry, not the disciples, but that the Pharisees, notice the problems that the Israelites had with John. Notice, they didn't like that he didn't drink and he didn't eat bread and he didn't dress up and he didn't have the look. They didn't like that. They didn't like that he wore rough clothing and they didn't like any of that. And so they had a problem with John. They said, nah, there's no way that this guy is a prophet. There's no way. But the way this guy looks, he ain't it. But then they see Jesus who is on the other side of the spectrum, soft clothing. He spends time with the sinners and the tax collectors drinking wine. They go, no, no, no ain't no way that and Jesus is saying, bro, no matter what, you had a problem with this and now you have a problem with that. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you've already shaped your perspective. You've already decided where you stand on whatever it is. You are so dead set on your own way and your own mindset that everything that you see here is evidence against what you already believe. Do you hear that? Is evidence of what you already believe. <sighs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> for John the Baptist, he says in verse 33, in chapter 7, verse 33, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Fam, no matter what I do, or no matter what you see, you're going to have a problem with it anyway. This should be liberating to some people. Because the Holy Spirit expresses himself differently through different people. Okay? 
There are people who will look at me and be like, I, I don't, are you a pastor? Are you sure you're a pastor? Because you don't look like, I mean, you don't wear the, the, the collar and the cloth. Or, you know, when I go out, I I'm, I'm, I tend to be a little bit uh, enigmatic, you can say. I dress a little differently. I look a little differently. Kind of rough around the edges, right? That's kind of who I am. That's just, that's who I naturally am. And yet in this way that God has naturally expressed himself through me, some would say, nah, you know, nah, that can't be it. I don't know if I can trust that guy because he's, you know, his be- he's a beanie wearing, you know, he's got all these bracelets on, he's kind of weird. Or you see the guy with the tattoos and you see all this and you're like, I don't know, I'm not entirely sure. But you saw the guy who was clean shaven and clean cut and you still had a problem with it. You, you, you saw the guy who you know, who was all buttoned up and, 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 and pretty and proper, but you still had a problem with it. You see the tall, good-looking guy who passes a church, but you still have a problem with it. You see the less charismatic guy and you go, um, I don't know. I think this guy is, is he, he's, he's, on, he's, he's on some stuff. Have you noticed that maybe you got a problem with everything? Because you've already put in your mind and you've already determined who God is for people and what God means. Or woman, thank you, Natasha. You got a problem with everything because you've already made up your mind. Maybe God is asking you today to change your mind. <laughs> maybe, maybe God's asking you today to revisit who he is. Maybe you, when you think of God, what you're thinking of is the abusive pastor you grew up with. Maybe when you think of God is you're thinking of an abusive family that you had journeyed and, and, and done this faith thing with in the earlier parts of your life. Maybe what God has done is, is God, what God is doing, sorry, is, is he's inviting you again and say, I'm not in that. Maybe you can discover who I really am. Maybe what you need is not another person to sit and to, 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 to convince you through reason and logic, but maybe what you need is to experience the love of God, the embrace of God that will awaken your faith to actually receive revelation of who he is. Jesus is talking to Theophilus here. And that's why I read this because I'm reading this for Theophilus and he's showing Theophilus, bro, there are Jews that didn't like John the Baptist because of how he dressed. And then they didn't like Jesus because of how he dressed. They just didn't like what was happening because what was happening was disturbing the status quo. But here Jesus is moving regardless of what he, what people think of him, and yet Jesus is moving. I love this story, and and I'm I'm, I'm going to get to I'm about to close it out, but I love the story in um in Luke chapter seven, 
uh, that's the sinful woman who was forgiven. I love that story. I love in chapter eight, when he speaks of the many women who ministered to Jesus, and I'm going to stop right here. And this is going to be my last thought for you all today. But I love the story of the sinful woman, what they, who they call the woman in the city. Of course, if they call the woman in the city, I'm just going to let you know right now, they're saying she for the streets. Anybody, anybody from my context will understand what I mean by when it says that she for the streets. And so he says, and behold, there was a woman in the city. <laughs> this woman's out here. This woman is, she's been around. Okay, this woman about that life. And this woman in the city, and notice what she's identified. She's identified as a sinner. And then it says that this woman came into this priest's house, this Pharisee's house, sorry, not priest, but this Pharisee's house in tears and an alabaster flask. And this woman then begins to wash Jesus's feet with her tears and with the fragrant oil. I mean, this is a sermon we can preach. We're not here to preach a sermon. I just want to point something out real quick. She pours out all that she has. And then they all say, in judgment, if this guy knew, like if this guy knew who this woman was, he wouldn't let this woman touch her, him, sorry. And if this guy knew who this woman was, he wouldn't, he wouldn't let this woman even get close to him. You know, what's crazy to me. And I just a little side note, just a little thought. I'm just going to throw that out here for a second. How is it that everybody knew who she was? How is it that everybody knew who she was? They knew her reputation. And in knowing their reputation still allowed them, allowed her to walk into the house. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, if this woman got around, who did she get around with? Oh, snap. I mean, I'm just throwing it out here for a second. I'm not here to insert anything, here to throw anything out, but I just wondered for a second. I mean, if you get around, you had to have gotten around with folks, with some people. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't have the time. I don't have the time, Lord. So let me just let me just get to my point because I don't want to get in trouble today because, you know, me, I be sometimes getting a little too too lit up in here. But it's funny how this woman walks in and where she walks in is in a space of familiarity. She knows everybody in the room. And everybody knows her. And then she walks into this room. Broken. 
She walks into this room in tears. She walks into this room weighed down by shame. They knowed her. And they knowed her very well. But she was not concerned about them. There's a point that we get to, and this word is for, for the folks who are in here, who you were shamed in public. You, you, you were shamed by your reputation. You walked into church and you saw how people saw you. Like you would look and you would see the way people perceived you. Yeah, it was the guy who got locked up and went to jail for selling. It was the woman who got pregnant out of wedlock. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was the guy who was found to have committed adultery. You know what's crazy is there's a lot of men who have been caught in those situations Part of the reason why they don't go back to church is because they can't face the faces of the people who know about their business. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Because everybody knows your business and everyone knew this woman's business. It's ugly, y'all to see how people look at you. And you know what's crazy is when you know their business as well. You know their stuff. Wow, oh, this was me. My church disclosed my HIV status and I stopped attending the church. I'm so... I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, man, I wasn't ready to hear that. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. <sighs> Give me a second. It's 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 stories like that. And there's so many folks who have that story. So many people who, Lord help us, who were exposed. And yet, I, and I pray that this word will be for you today. I pray this because this is, man, that just broke my heart. This is you. Like th this is, this is you. you. You're this woman right here. The woman in the city. The woman who everybody knows their business now. The woman who everybody knows their mistake and their error. You are that woman. I'm talking to men as well. You're that person. 
the one who got caught messing around, the one who got caught messing up. You're that person. And of course, they ignore all the other things that happened and transpired along the way. There's brokenness there. There's hurt there. There's pain there. There's so much there. Ah, this, this, this room is filled with people who are the women in the city. And it's easy. It's easy to walk and, and look around and see the disdain from the people around you who look at you like you're nothing. And what's crazy about it is for you to walk into that room and then to see and to know everybody else's business. I'm sorry, if y'all let me just back up for a second. I've seen instances when women had gotten pregnant by men in the church and it was the woman who was shamed. But the man was protected. I've seen instances where we see two people commit the same sin. Ah, but you accept this person and not that. The manner by which it was exposed versus the manner by which it was performed. I've seen instances where we put sin on different curves, where people who commit certain sins are treated a certain way. As if this sin isn't as bad as your sin of gluttony that gives you high blood pressure. As if this sin isn't as bad as any other sin. As if you committed one sin, you have committed them all, for all have sins. We got grades for sins. And it's crazy because usually the folks who are exposed know everybody else and what's going on with everybody else in the room. The hypocrisy. The self-righteousness. Jesus Christ. I just happen to be the woman in the city. But what I love about this text is she's at a place so broken that she does not give a damn what anybody thinks about her. Like she's at a place now where it doesn't matter what your opinion of me is. Because in my brokenness, there I see at the center of it, Jesus. And so I'm going to walk boldly before the throne of grace, not with shame and guilt. But I'm going to walk boldly to the one who I only have hope in. <sighs> Fam, listen, if, you, if that's you, I want to tell you right now, we have a safe place for you. We got a bunch of women in the city on Discord. <laughs> Men and women who are on Discord, who journey together in this. I want to encourage you, join our Discord community. I'm praying for you. 
man, my heart is so burdened right now by this. And I know I got folks right now, right now who will put all of it out and tell you, this is what I got caught up in. This is how I was shamed out of my church. This is how I was manipulated and abused. This is, we got a whole community full of people who've been there. Thank you for putting the link for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Oh my gosh, I'm over time. I'm going to just close it real quick because this thing is moving me right now. And I, and I say this because we see this woman who's ignoring. I don't, I don't got time. All, she, she's giving all that she has left because she's got nothing else left. She's got nothing else. Y'all, there's, there's a beauty to that. Queen Boss, we're praying for you. There's no shame here. Like, this is for all the people who... I'm seeing people right now sharing their stuff. Fam, there's no shame here. There's no shame. Not in Christ. No, there is no shame. Addiction. <laughs> whatever your sexual proclivity is. <laughs> Whatever, you know, sin issue you're still dealing and battling with, whatever it might be, there is no shame at all. Because you got one who in the midst of all of it, because shame is how you project how people see you. It's looking at everybody else's eyes and looking at everybody else's, you know, you can see the disdain, the disgust on people's faces and it's humiliating. But oh my goodness, there's a freedom that comes when you see nothing else but the affirmation of Jesus Christ. Like there's nothing that's so liberating that even in the midst of all that, this woman is, she's being called a sinner. We don't even got a name. We just have her title. She is a sinner. That's all she is. And the text tells us she walks straight up to Jesus. Everybody else knew her reputation and Jesus did as well. And she looked right at Jesus. I ain't got time for all these people. You want to know why? Because all these people don't love you. All these people don't care. All these people are about their power, their position. All these people, they, they do not matter. Their perspective of you doesn't matter. Shame is a farce. It's a lie. Shame is a liar. It lies to us. It tells us things that aren't true. It takes people's opinions over us, over God's opinion. It prohibits us from coming boldly to grace. It keeps us in darkness, in depression. Shame is a liar. It's a liar. And this woman comes to Jesus 
and she pours out an alabaster flask. And they say to him, hmm, if Jesus knew what I was doing with her a couple of weeks ago, Jesus would not be letting her touch him like that. I mean, if he was a prophet, he should have seen what she did. I mean, if Jesus knew like where she was last night, if Jesus knew what she was doing, he would he would not have let her touch him. But now she does one of the most intimate acts a woman can do in public with a man. <laughs> it's to wash his feet and he's washing it with her hair. Her hair is her glory. Just imagine the brokenness of this woman as she's just pouring out. She's got nothing left except for tears and fragrant oil. She's got nothing left. And I'm talking to some people right now who've got nothing left. I got nothing left. I got no reputation. I have no regard. I'm broken. And I got nothing left. This is for the person who's got nothing. She gave the rest of what she had. And imagine she's doing it knowing that everybody's looking at her funny. But that's the point that she gets to. We know the rest of the story because we read it. Jesus says to her, her sins are forgiven. But he says something powerful. He says something so powerful. Is he presents a parable. And he says, who's going to appreciate the forgiveness of debt? The one who owed 500 Nadari or the one who owed 50? He said, of course, the one who owed 500 denarii is going to be the one who's going to be most appreciative. Both have no debt, but one knows how great the debt was to be paid. And he said, the way this woman moves, she moves out of the profound debt that she had weighing down on her. Imagine as she's pouring out on Jesus that she's being freed. She's being liberated. She's being set free. She might be known as the woman in the city, but now, no, no, no. I'm a child and a daughter of the king. And Jesus says to her, this act was an act of faith. Your faith has saved you. You might have been for the streets, but it's your faith that's changing things. Not because you did hard, you did better, or you did more. It's because you poured out everything you had left. Stop trying to fix something that's unfixable. Stop trying to fix your heart. You can't fix it. Stop trying to fix your mind. You can't fix it. Stop trying to do that. First, live out of the grace and the acceptance of God and let faith do its work. Your faith 
has saved you. Not your actions, not the alabaster flask, not the tears. Those were, those, those were all great. Those were great sacrifices that were made, but it's your faith that saves you. I stop right here because, man, I could be stuck on this. I didn't even get to eight because, as you'll notice in the text, notice how what the scriptures is showing us is showing us the power of faith. It was faith that saved each and every person. It was faith that saved the, the Roman ruler who came up to Jesus. It was faith that saved him, saved his daughter. It was faith that saved the woman with the issue of blood. It was faith. Faith does the work. That's going to be the title today. Faith does the work. The other thing I like about Luke, and I'll just give this as a side note before we pray. But the thing I like about Luke is, is that Luke tells us about the role that women, the, the least enfranchised people at that time, the impact and the influence that they had in Jesus' life. And it shows how these women all had their own stories and their own testimonies. Mary Magdalene, for whom the seven demons had come out. That's the testimony that was given concerning her. Now, this is another conversation for another day, but many call Mary Magdalene the prostitute. The Bible doesn't say that she was the prostitute. The Bible says she was the one who had the many demons. But now that she's been freed, she lives out of the freedom. She's motivated, motivated by the work that Jesus Christ did in her life. And fam, I just came to tell some folks today that if you find yourself in a place where the woman in the city was, or if you find yourself in the place where Mary Magdalene was, if you find yourself in that place and in that space, I came to encourage you today. I came to encourage you that God is not, not only is God not done with you yet, but God wants to use, he wants to use your story. And maybe, just think about this, maybe, that the reason why some of us have so much passion for this message of Jesus is because we have so many things that we should be ashamed of. Huh? We have so many things that we should be guilty of. We have so many things that we should say, you know what? <laughs> if you knew what I did when I was ba back in the day, if you knew who I was, if you knew some of the sins that I committed, some of us have many reasons to be ashamed. And yet we have received the grace of Jesus Christ. This is why we're crazy about this. This is why we're nuts about it. This is why it won't make sense. Because there are many of us who were where that woman was. I was. <laughs> that's part of it. That's why I'm here. <laughs> this is why I'm so crazy about this, because I was. That's me. And it took a place where I was broken, gone. Lost. I'm the one who owed 500 denarii. And I'm only here by the grace of God. 
only here by the grace and the love. No, nothing I could have done. It was by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But it is the gift of God. Love y'all, fam. All the women in the city who are in this chat on IG, on TikTok, join a, join a bunch of women in the city. <laughs> we got plenty right here. They all got their hands up. They're ready. Join them. Congratulations, Sheree. There's grace for you. Join them. Love y'all. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you uh, inspire us every day with your word. Father, I just thank you for the gift of faith, Lord. Lord, you have not given up on us. You have not given up on us. And for that, we are grateful. He'll bless us today, Lord, as we journey through this day. Let us be encouraged, Father. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, against the spirit of shame and, and condemnation. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would heal those who are brokenhearted, Father. Those who have been captive by, Lord, shame and guilt, Father, I pray that they'd be set free. Bless us today, Lord, as we journey through this day. Let us be encouraged by who you are and not distracted by what's around us or by what anybody perceives of us, but to walk boldly before the throne of grace. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all fam. Again, discord.gg slash Opus Prayer. Also, if you if God puts in your heart to support us, click the link in the bio or become a patron. Become a patron. Patreon.com slash uh, Isaac Frere. I-S-A-A-C-F-R-E-R-E. -E. And also text us 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. Love y'all. Or just join Discord. All the links will be there. Discord.gg slash O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. -E. Love y'all, fam. God bless you guys. Peace.